Hey church, we want to welcome you to our online church this Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. Uh, how good is that? It's amazing. And we want to uh, just shout out a huge welcome if you're joining us from one of our campuses uh, this morning or today. That's just brilliant. If you're a guest dialing in, if you are uh, maybe from even outside of New Zealand, we just want to say we're so delighted uh, that you've joined us today for this really special service. I want to start today by sharing a funny story I heard. So this guy arrives into the airport, right? He grabs his suitcase off the luggage carousel and he heads outside to hail a taxi. Now, obviously, he's going into self-isolation. But this taxi promptly picks him up and, and they're on their way heading out of the airport. Ten minutes into the ride, the man had a question for the taxi driver. And so he leaned forward, said, excuse me, sir, and tapped the driver on the shoulder. Suddenly, the driver lets out a blood-curdling scream swerving his taxi violently across three lanes of traffic, barely missing, hitting multiple vehicles, and finally stopped with a screech of tyres on the opposite shoulder. (laughs) The passenger is shocked and shaken, and he says, what the heck was that all about? And the taxi driver replies, man, I'm so sorry, he said. This is my first day on the job for the last 20 years. I've been driving a hearse. Now, obviously, Being raised from the dead, that's a pretty scary thing uh, for some people. But that's exactly what we are here to celebrate here today. And so we're going to go to the Word of God and and just read through a little bit uh, of what happens. We're reading from John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, And said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have placed them. So Peter and John, uh, these guys, they run for the tomb, right? John gets there first. He stops outside. Peter just bursts straight past him and goes into the tomb and notes the inside of the tomb in fascinating detail. Verse 6, he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And so shortly thereafter, Peter and John, they actually leave. They leave the garden. They're obviously unsure of what's going on. They head back home. But Mary, who was distraught, she stayed behind and she's weeping. And then she has this incredible encounter with Jesus. It says in verse 14, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I've not yet returned to the Father. But go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. How those amazing words, I have seen the Lord. And you know, after that, Scripture tells us over 500 people saw Jesus. How is that possible? Well, because He was alive. And the resurrection changed everything. Coming out of that tomb, 
literally changed everything. And today, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, well over a billion people on earth can say, I have seen the Lord or I have heard the Lord or I follow the Lord. Why? Because of the resurrection. You see, the resurrection is not just the most important day in the Christian calendar. It's the most important day in all of world history because that was the day, that was the event when Jesus Christ was crucified and died as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world and then was raised to life again. That was the day in which the future of every human being on planet earth hinges. There there can be no dealing with sin without what Jesus did on the cross. There can be no dealing with guilt unless Jesus died on the cross and was raised to life. This Jesus who was tortured and mocked and crucified, who was wrapped in in grave clothes and put in a sealed and guarded tomb, and then who three days later walked out of that tomb alive, Resurrected from death, declared by God to be Lord and God of all. And so today, as we celebrate the resurrection, I want to explore something that I think is is absolutely pivotal for us. And I want us to explore what happened in the tomb. That is the place in which the resurrection happened. And I want to start today by uh, talking about something that Jesus said when he was referring to his own death earlier. He did this by talking about Jonah. Jonah, who was three days in the stomach of a whale. Let's read this in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation ask for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. This is great. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, let's... Think about this for a moment then. This guy, Jonah, he's, he's been given a mission from God, but he's, he's running from God. He ends up being swallowed by a whale. Now, man, you get swallowed by a whale, you're dead. I mean, you're a dead person. He is entombed in absolute darkness, being slowly burnt and digested by stomach acids. Yet, it is accurate to say that it was the inside of the whale that was the location of the salvation of the city of Nineveh. Let me read this to you from Jonah chapter one. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry, verse nine, but I with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. And here it comes. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. See, Jonah had rebelled. He had run away, yet entombed in the darkness in that whale. That was where he repented. That was where he turned himself back towards God. That was where he recommitted himself to fulfill whatever God required of him. That was where the salvation of Nineveh was established. Now, this is tremendously significant because Jesus himself referenced Jonah as a type of what he was going to be doing. Jonah brought about the salvation of Nineveh. Jesus brought about the salvation of us all. Could it be that what happened in the tomb, as with Jonah, 
is pivotal for us in understanding both our salvation and our purpose. So what was Jesus' experience of the tomb? Now, we only know what Scripture tells us. It doesn't tell us a lot, but I absolutely believe that what Scripture tells us is everything we need to know. It tells us that he was completely bound in grave clothes when he went into that tomb. It tells us that in that place he was entombed in darkness. And it tells us that he was kept there with huge obstacles blocking the way out, a massive rock and an elite Roman guard. I don't know about you, but it sounds a little bit um, like how our lives can be sometimes. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've been completely bound up in my issues or my sin. There have been times when I've been stuck in the dark with no direction, no light, no understanding of how I was to move forward. And if you're like me, you know what it is to experience obstacles in the way that we sometimes seem powerless to move or even that we, we have an enemy that is against us. You know, the Apostle Paul experienced this, right? In one moment, one moment, his successful life was ended. He was this rising star dealing with the problems of these Christ followers and all the grief it was causing to the true religion, Judaism. But when Jesus himself spoke to him on that Damascus road, blinding him and then giving him instructions on what to do next, he found himself literally because he was blind, entombed in darkness. He was bound up in his pride and his violence. He's got to be asking, right, is this God's judgment on his life? Man, he knew the fate of the blind. The obstacles he faced right then were more than he could deal with. Three days, the Scriptures tell us, he was so traumatized that he ate and drank nothing. Here is a man on the verge of complete collapse. He's on the verge of death itself. Sounds like a tomb experience to me. How about the woman caught in adultery? Think about her for a moment. This damaged life bound up in her sin and wrong choices, now dragged to the very center of a hostile crowd who want to take her life. She is trapped with no way out. Her life expectancy now counts in minutes, not years. She was entombed in the midst of of these Pharisees. In her shame and sin, she was then thrown before the one they called the Christ, the most righteous of all. There was no way out for this woman. Maybe you've got a story like that as well. I know I do. Many years ago, I, was, uh, I went through a very difficult time. I went through a time of burnout when I had been pastoring just for a few years. You know, I felt a huge amount of pressure, a big workload. I felt it all rested on me. I felt I was stuck in a dark place, bound up in my issues, my self-reliance, my need for approval. I just couldn't see a way out. The harder I worked, the darker it seemed to get. And as a result, stuff in my marriage with Liz, we were in a tough place. It wasn't in a great place with the kids. I mean, I'd come home from work and they'd just ignore me because I was just so grumpy all the time. Here I was trying to escape from all of the issues that I was carrying and, and yet instead I just found myself uh, trapped with no way out. How about you? Have you been through a tomb experience or and maybe today you're going through what feels like a tomb experience? Some of us, man, we've been in our homes with our flatmates or with our, our kids and it feels like we're in a tomb experience, right? But some of you also know what it's like. You've 
You've experienced loss. You're experiencing grief or disappointment or pain. Maybe you too are bound up in issues, maybe even bound up in sin or problems. Maybe for you, you just can't see the way forward. It's like everything is dark. And maybe for you, it feels like there are obstacles in your way that you simply cannot shift. Well, today on Resurrection Sunday, I really believe there are some powerful lessons that God has for us here from Jesus in the tomb that I think are essential for us if we want to live the resurrection life that God has called us to live. So let's jump straight into it. Here's the first lesson today. Number one, you've got to take off your grave clothes. Let me explain. See, I'm fascinated by what Jesus left behind in the tomb. Now we're told specifically that the grave clothes were left behind, that the headpiece was there folded. In another one of the Gospels, it tells us that the other linen strips were carefully folded and left there. And I've often wondered, why? Who cares? Like, why this seemingly irrelevant detail? Why was it carefully recorded in the Scriptures for all time? I mean, the grave clothes, they could have just disappeared. They could have been taken. They could have been dropped outside. They could have just not been mentioned but they were. And if you're like me, I've been around long enough to know that there is absolutely nothing in Scripture that is accidental or irrelevant. I'm convinced that Jesus left them there for a reason, that there is a message for us in that, that there is a point that God wants us to get. And here's the thought this morning. What you are wrapped up in that got you into your tomb, you've got to leave behind when you come out. You know, Paul had to leave behind his plans, his pride, his violence, his methodologies for dealing with people. The woman caught in adultery had to leave behind her life of sin. In my burnout, I had to leave behind my pride, my self-reliance, my idolatry of work. What about you? You know, too many Christians try to live a victorious resurrection life still bound in their grave clothes. It's like they're crawling around all wrapped up Uh, from head to toe going, praise the Lord, I'm free, I'm free. And instead all that happens is they keep getting thrown back in the tomb. Like that's what you do with someone who's wrapped up in grave clothes, right? They're like, oh, they're gonna be in a tomb. And finding themselves continually being thrown back into that place and unable to work out why they keep finding themselves here. I absolutely believe there are Christians listening right here today who have gone through dark times, depression, burnout, failure, anxiety, breakdown, maybe you've lost a job, family, challenges. You're trying to live free, but you never took off the things that got you into your dark place in the first time. You never dealt with the sin. You never dealt with your need for approval. You never dealt with your workaholism. You never dealt with your grave clothes. Maybe today it's time for you to step into a new experience of resurrection life, to take off those grave clothes, and leave them behind and put on something new like Jesus tells us to do. The things that you're wrapped up in that got you into your tomb, you've got to leave them behind when you come out. The second lesson I believe for us today uh, is this, find your keys. Find your keys. In Revelation chapter one, we, we have this fascinating scripture. It's Jesus speaking. I am the living one. And he refers to his death and resurrection. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. 
Now, in 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, Scripture suggests that in the tomb, Jesus actually went down into hell and preached. When did Jesus get hold of these keys to death and hell? When did he take them off the devil? Right then, in the midst of that tomb experience. And when he came out of that tomb, he carried those keys in his possession. When Jesus was raised, he came out carrying something that he wasn't carrying when he went into his tomb experience. You see, see, that's why the gates of hell can no longer prevail against the church because Jesus has the keys. Salvation, healing, eternity. God has opened all of those to us now because of what Jesus came out of that tomb experience with and people's lives are changed forever. Now, here's the thought team. The things you come out of your tomb experience with will be the keys which will unlock many people's lives. In fact, they will be the keys to your greatest ministry effectiveness. Paul came out of his tomb experience with the personal revelation that Jesus Christ was alive. Man, he knew it. God had spoken to him. God had sent this guy Ananias to him. He'd he'd heard the prophetic message about his life and what was going to be done. He was healed. And when Paul went out, man, he preached powerfully that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was alive. And as a result, thousands came to put their faith in Christ because of that key that Paul had. What about the woman in adultery? Boy, I bet you she came out of that experience with some keys. I bet she came out with an entirely different understanding of God's grace. I bet she came out with a revelation of her self-worth. Jesus had let her see that her sin was no different to that of the Pharisees and that God was not judging her, but that he loved her. What immense value would she have carried as a result? How many women did she minister to in her lifetime, ministering grace and freedom as a result of the keys that she carried. You know, in my life, when I came through that burnout experience, I came out with keys about balance, about self-care. When I share that stuff, it unlocks people. It's a powerful thing, and it's one of the areas of my greatest ministry effectiveness. What is it for you? What are you taking out of your tomb experiences, your dark times? What are the keys? What are the keys God wants you to find and to bring out and to use to unlock people's lives? Here's the thought. Don't leave your tomb experience until you have the keys because they will bless and unlock many people's lives for God's glory. And that leads us to our third and final point this morning. Trust God to move the obstacles. Now, have you ever wondered why the angels were there? Were they like just to pass on a message to Mary? They could have just left a post-it note on the outside of the tomb. Were they there to add a stamp of supernatural authority? You know, like God was here, see, angels. I mean, did you realize that with a tomb, the stone can't be removed from the inside? The angels removed the stone. The angels dealt with the Roman guard. The angels moved the obstacles that Jesus couldn't move in order for him to come out of his tomb experience 
into resurrection life. You know, the Pharisees tried to suggest that the guards had fallen asleep. I mean, anyone with even a basic understanding of history knows that the might of the Roman Empire existed because of the incredible discipline of its soldiers. Roman guards never fell asleep. It was punishable by death. That was the work of the angels. And so here's the thought today. God will shift the obstacles that we can't. You know, in Scripture, we see angels uh, quite regularly. I love in Psalm 91, one of my favorite scriptures, where David says that God will command his angels concerning you to guide you in all of your ways. You know, sometimes when we come across angels in scriptures, it's actually Jesus appearing. Uh, You can tell the difference between when it's Jesus appearing or when it's an actual angel, because when people fall down and call the angel Lord, uh, if it's actually Jesus, the angel doesn't debate that. Every time someone falls down and calls an actual angel Lord, they always say, well, hang on there, don't worship me, champ. You're getting that all mixed up. All words to that effect. And God doesn't just use supernatural angels. Sometimes God uses human angels. Men and women who are on an assignment from God carrying His grace. Can I suggest this morning, angels like Ananias, sent by God to a specific house on a specific street, A man who through him, God shifted what Paul couldn't shift, healed him of his blindness, commissioned him for ministry, sent him on his way. God moved those obstacles. How about the woman caught in adultery? You know, God placed an angel in that crowd. It was probably a human angel. But you know, when Jesus said, let him who among you who is without sin cast the first stone, Everybody is waiting, right? Everyone's waiting for someone. Who's going to start this? And obviously it's going to be a Pharisee, right? Because they're the most holy people there. And in the heavy, dark silence, there was an angel in there. There was someone in there with a humility that only God can give, who knew exactly what Jesus was saying. And to everyone's shock, turned and pushed his way through the crowd. And in that moment, it was broken. The spell was broken. The stone was rolled away. People began to leave. People realized that they all had their sin. They were all confronted by their own sin. And in a matter of moments, it was just her and Jesus left. God will move the obstacles that we can't. For me, it was an elder and his wife who uh, at 8 a.m. on New Year's Day let me into their house, me and Liz, and listened to my pain and my struggle and my failure and gave me the use of their batch for a week to get some headspace and gave me some life-changing books and gave me their support and advice. And it set me on the road to recovery. God did that for me. I have absolutely no doubt. He moved the obstacles I couldn't move. And so what is it for you? Do you have things in your life that you need God to shift? He will do it. In his time, in his way, God will do it. That is what we learn from the resurrection. You see, the resurrection life is on the other side of the tomb. Resurrection is God's plan for you and me as well as for Jesus. Why? Because we walk in his steps, First Peter tells us. To the cross, into the tomb, and out into the light. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
This is our heritage. (laughs) This is our family inheritance, people. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives in us. And when we find ourselves in a tomb, may we understand that this is God's opportunity to begin to change the world through us, to bring us out into a different experience, a different power, a different opportunity. Have you been in a dark time? That's my last question this morning. Have you been in a dark time and you didn't see God's plan in it? Perhaps you've been through a tomb experience, but you're still wearing the grave clothes. Today, right now, why don't you just cast them off? Why don't you just take a deep breath and just let them fall to the ground around you, beside you, wherever you are. Just imagine those issues, those sins, those old things, those unforgivenesses, whatever they are. Just imagine them falling to your feet like an old coat that doesn't fit anymore. Or perhaps you've come through a dark time with what seems to you to be nothing to show for it. What are the keys God wanted you to take off the devil and bring out to unlock others? Maybe this morning you need to just take a moment and look again. Because I tell you, in every tomb experience, there are keys that God wants you to take possession of. Or perhaps you've found yourself hemmed in by obstacles that you seem powerless to move. You know, in this tough season, countries in lockdown, we're under assault from this virus, it's a pretty crazy time. Many of us are struggling financially, spiritually, emotionally. Some of us are dealing with obstacles that seem too big for us to move. Will you this morning take a moment And once again, put your trust wholly back in Jesus. Trust him to move the obstacles because he isn't done with you yet. Maybe you're here this morning listening to this and and actually you've never taken that step to make Jesus your Lord, your God. Let me just take a moment to speak to you. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say God so loved the Christians. It says God so loved the world. He loves every one of us. But the problem is, as it says in Romans, that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And that's why Jesus came. He was the way, the truth, and the life, Scripture says. He came and died the death that we should have died on the cross in our place to pay for our sin, that that we could be made clean before God again, that we could know and experience God's love. The Bible says in the book of John that for all of those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that if you'll put your trust in Jesus, if you'll give your life to him, if you'll turn away from the old way of living, and if you'll turn towards him, he'll make you his own. He'll come into your life. He'll make you clean. Everything can change in a moment. I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning. So I'm going to ask everyone watching this, wherever you are, just to take a moment. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. And if, look, if, if you already know God, would you take a moment and just send up a prayer for every person watching here today who doesn't? Because they need your prayers. And if you don't know God, then even just in your heart, why don't you pray along with me between you and God? It's a real simple prayer. It goes like this. 
Why don't we pray together? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I have rejected you in my life. But today I put my trust in you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Saviour. I ask you to forgive me, to make me new and make me your own. Right now, I receive you as my God and my Lord. I believe that I will never be the same from this moment on. Thank you for making me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I just say that if you prayed that prayer, not only am I so proud of you, but I'm telling you, you have got so much to look forward to. God is good. Well, let me finish with this. Because Jesus was raised from his tomb experience to live a victorious life, so too God's plan for you is to come out of your tomb experience and live a victorious life. God bless you, church. It's been great being with you.